morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. Um, where I'm at in Williston, North Dakota. Uh, it's rainy, which is really nice because then it's natural water watering, you know, our plants and my garden, which is starting to grow, which is really nice. Last night was the huge strawberry moon and it was absolutely beautiful. I think I caught it for about five minutes. I sat and looked at it and then I went to bed because I was super tired. But uh, it was such a beautiful, bright orange moon. It's just, it's spectacular to look at. So today's daily bread actually comes from the very story that broke a wall in me to show me that the Bible was true. Like something in me realized that that is so true because I relate to that. I felt it in me and I knew God was showing me that the Bible was real and it was written to guide me through life. It was a, a beautiful Sunday. I bawled. I bawled in jail at the table. I'm sitting there just silently as just tears are just flowing, <sighs> feeling silly, but that's how profound God's love can affect you when he's really trying to reach you. It'll bring you to such a humble point in your life um, right down to your knees so the verse is from Luke 19 chapter uh, verse 10 for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost and this one's called found on the edges in the middle of the crowd at a motorcycle demonstration where riders performed breathtaking tricks, I found myself needing to stand on my tiptoes to see. Glancing around, I noticed three children perched on a nearby tree, apparently because they couldn't see to could apparently because they also couldn't get to the front of the crowd to see the action. Watching the kids peer out from their lofty location, I couldn't help but think of Zakai uh, Zacchaeus, who Luke identifies as a wealthy tax collector. Jews often viewed tax collectors as traitors for working for the Roman government, collecting taxes from fellow Israelites, as well as frequently demanding additional money to pay, pad their personal bank accounts. So Zacchaeus was likely shunned from his community and tax collectors were looked, looked down on like, ugh, you know, you're the ultimate sinner. You always hear the story of the, the Pharisee and the tax collector on the hill. And the Pharisee goes, I'm glad I'm not that man. And the tax collector cried out in agony to God to save him. Who, who had the darker heart. <laughs> um, as Jesus passed through Jericho, Zacchaeus longed to see him, but was unable to see over the crowd. So perhaps feeling both desperate and lonely, he climbed into a sycamore tree to catch a glimpse. And, there it, and it was there on the outskirts of the crowd that Jesus searched him out and announced his intentions to be a guest at his home. Zacchaeus' story reminds us that Jesus came to seek and save the lost, offering his friendship and a gift of salvation. Even if we feel on the edges of our communities, pushed to the back of the crowd, we can be assured that even there, Jesus finds us. Yes, 
He is close to those whose spirits are contrite. That means that God and Jesus are close to those whose spirits have been crushed. How have you experienced the feeling of being pushed aside by friends or family? In the midst of loneliness, how has Jesus found you and invited you to spend time with him? Jesus, thank you for never simply walking by when I'm hurting, but stopping to invite me into your friendship with you. Amen. Absolutely beautiful. And I love this story because this tax collector, he changed in such a profound way, which reminded me of my change. Um, there came, and I'll read the story first, and then I'll speak on personal experience. So the actual story comes from Luke chapter 19, and it goes from verse 1 to verse 10. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short of stature. So he ran ahead and climbed into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and had said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He is gone to be a guest with the man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Salvation has come to this house because he also has the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and save those which are lost. That is such a beautiful story. And what got to me was here was this man. He was rich. He had anything he ever wanted. But as soon as he saw Jesus, he saw himself and he saw who he was in this world. And not only did he give back what he owed, he gave back fourfold. That's a holy repentance. That's not just saying, I did wrong. I'm sorry. That's like, I did wrong. I know how it affected you. And now I'm going to cover beyond that because I was wrong. That was terrible to be that person. And I can't imagine what I put you through by being so greedy. What a beautiful story. And the reason it affected me so deeply in that moment was because there was a time, and this is when God made his presence known to me. It's because I had been taking accountability for everything in my life, from the abuse in my childhood, to my marriage, to my relationships, everything. I took accountability because I allowed it to happen. And somewhere along the lines, God unfolded how my addiction changed who I was and changed how I treated people, especially my children. There was a moment I realized who I became in my addiction was toxic to my children. They had to change to make me happy. They had to let go of their authentic self and change into something different that was smaller and more quiet and more reserved and more fearful because we don't want to set mom up. She might start drinking. And my children were told these words, don't make your mother mad. She might start drinking and you don't want that. That was the realizing point like, wow, what have I done? 
Like I really sat in that for weeks in that of who I truly became to my children. It was then it was like, it was like I stepped out of myself and I saw who I was. Like I was seeing myself through somebody else's eyes and it just brought me to tears. And it was in that week, in that moment that God changed my life. He made his presence known to me and because I, I went through that and I apologized to everyone I had hurt in my addiction. I called every single person I knew, the relationships I had been in. I took accountability. I went and said specifically things I had done. I did this specific thing. Do you remember this day? Well, it was because I was insecure and I was trying to hide my drinking and I didn't want you to know I was insecure. It was specific details like that that was I didn't know it at the time, a holy repentance. Like I was truly taking on the uh, burden of my choices and letting people go. Like the way I treated you was trying to blame me for my addiction when really it was my fault. You didn't start the fight that day. I did so I could get away with drinking. And it was moments like that in, in repenting and asking for forgiveness. I remember calling my aunt Mo and I go, you know, you came up and took care of my children. And I was so vindictive addictive and so mean. I became a narcissistic person to you. And you know what? That was wrong. I can't believe I treated you that way. And I treated you that way because I was trying to get away with drinking and I didn't want people to, to get in between that. And, and I reacted by hurting everybody else and blaming them for my problems. That was the best thing I could have ever done to people, whether they forgave me or not. And there were some people that just didn't forgive me and that's all right. But in that holy repentance and taking that back, and I remember thinking, okay, I'm gonna tell this person the honest truth of why I did this. And if they hate me, I'd rather them know the truth and me take the blame than me sitting here living a lie and them carrying the blame for the rest of their lives. And so it was in that time, and I remember letting the last bit of it go. Like, you know, just, this is my fault. This is why I did it. And it freed me. It freed me to repent that way. I remember sitting on my bed feeling so free. I was sitting there, it was like 10.30 at night, and I'm just sitting there like, I feel so free. I've never felt this free from my life before. I wasn't attached to anybody. I wasn't hanging on to anybody. Nobody was attached to me. I finally took accountability. I felt so proud of myself. I actually love myself. And I'm sitting on my bed like, and then my whole life changed. Like I had my awakening and it was the most profound moment of my life. Words can't even describe because when I tried to describe it, people thought I was crazy. Um, people thought I was going to kill myself because I was writing so many letters. I was just writing what came out of me of gratitude and forgiveness and just love and, and people feared it. And then later on in the week, I went into a meditation and God made his presence known. And it just, I couldn't believe it. Like me, I didn't ask for him. I didn't. I never asked for him. In fact, I didn't even believe him up until that point, but he came, he came to rescue me. 
And it was later on, it must have been, that was February to March, April, May, June, four months later, after realizing God was real for four months, I argued the Bible. I argued with every single person. I probably still have posts on there where I tried to say the Bible was wrong. This isn't real. That's not who God is. But it was four months later in jail in this very same story that Pastor um, Ron was reading. And I love how he read it, that I started bawling and I realized that was me. This is true. I feel it in me. The Bible is true. This is who God is. God is the person in this Bible. God is all of these things that the Bible talks about. And from then on, my life completely became devoted to his holy word and to him. And it's absolutely beautiful when you find that story and you start really, you know, for me, it took a lot of listening to people tell me the Bible stories, people who understood it, who could say it in the way that it was meant to be represented, you know, to unveil it for its blessings. That's the kind of people I needed to read it to me at first. And now I myself can actually read it for what it truly is and, and understand the stories, but it took some time. The story is absolutely beautiful because it speaks of forgiveness and we need to forgive. In all of this, I had to forgive those around me, take responsibility, and then I had to forgive myself. And forgiving ourselves can be the hardest thing. You know, it's harder to forgive ourselves once we see who we are in this world. Once you actually step outside yourself and really evaluate your behavior. Because see, when we're so focused on what this person's doing, what that person's doing, we go, well, I'm watching them and I'm paying attention to them. We neglect seeing what our own behavior and our own behavior is what we should be focusing on, not what other people are doing because you can't change other people. But when I actually stepped outside of myself and I saw my behavior, I was such an ugly person. I, I struggled letting my, uh, forgiving myself. There are times my past will trip me up. Every once in a while, it still trips me up. And when I get tripped up, it's like I trip and I fall on my face and it hurts. It hurts. It's like, oh, it, it just pulls me back. But I always have God in front of me pulling me forward, keeping me as his focus. Just saying, just walk, you know, I believe in you, you've forgiven, like we've came this far, why are you letting this get you now? Like keep going, don't let these things hold you back. And I think that's a, that's a struggle for everyone where we feel that we're hindered in life or we're suffocated or we're suppressed. When you hear those words, I'm feeling suffocated right now. Our culture has been suppressed. I feel suppressed because we suppress ourselves. We suppress ourselves with our past. We hold ourselves back. We are the ones who think we don't believe in it. Nobody else ever stopped me from getting ahead in life. When I finally realized that, I stepped out of my own way and I started doing the things I really desire to do. But it took me a long time to realize it was my mindset. It was my toxic behavior. It was the way I saw the world that held me back from reaching out there and going for what was there, truly there for me. Because if it's meant for you, God will make a way. But you have to move. Oh, I love this story. This story just made my day. Like I woke up just letting the past get me. I have those days and it just 
mm, sometimes it's so painful. You just can't. Oh, it drives me just. It drives me into a mind sink that's very toxic to get stuck into. But as soon as I turn to the Word, as soon as I turn to the daily bread, the things God has placed in my life that are so beautiful and filled with His love, it just brings me right out of that. Because the only thing that will ever defeat Satan, hate, negativity, resentment, all those negative emotions, is God's love. I love you guys. You have a blessed day. And I hope you find one thing that is just breathtaking today. Just find one thing in your life to be, I am so grateful for this moment, for this one thing, just one thing, and just give it to God. God bless. Good morning, everybody. It is Monday. Um, Monday is my favorite day of the week. I've had Sunday where I refilled up my tank and I had church and I just spent some quiet time alone. And then Monday is like a fresh start for me. Like, okay, it's the start of a new week. So whatever happened last week, I've dealt with it, I've faced it, and now it's a fresh new week. And that's why I love Monday so much. Many people who love Fridays, I kind of like, Friday's a drag because it's growing and rolling into the weekend and I've kind of just worked really hard through the week. So Monday's like a really fresh start. It's been kind of rainy. Uh, Today it rained most of the morning which was kind of nice, but uh, you know, it's all right. I, we need the rain. We had a big windstorm come through and it knocked a bunch of branches out of the tree. And so as I was riding my bike and I saw all these, it was dead branches that the wind, it was so powerful. The wind knocked all of these dead branches out of the tree. And as I'm looking at it, I realize that sometimes God does that to us. He will do things to shake us up and then he'll bring a big old wind through and it'll knock all the dead branches, the unfruitful branches out of our tree. Um, He did that to me this weekend and it was uncomfortable and I just, I went through some emotions I didn't want to go through, but I went through and it was, it was good for me. And through that wind, I realized how deeply rooted in God's love I truly am. Like there's nothing that could uplift me from my faith in him absolutely nothing because this weekend he put me through something that you know really tested my faith and it didn't do anything but shake my branches and that was it it couldn't uplift me from my faith in him because I know he's real and I can't change the things he has shown me the things he has done for me the way he has loved me Today's daily bread is absolutely, absolutely beautiful. I love talking about Jesus because Jesus was the ultimate example and representative of how God's nature truly is to us. 
Uh, I just got in this discussion yesterday with a friend of mine. And if you're watching, Dean, <laughs> oh, you're a great friend of mine. And I love discussing Jesus with you and God. We really, we get really excited. We were just sitting there and then it was like, right, right? It gets so exciting. So I hope you have a great day. Uh, today's verse comes from Philippines chapter 2, verse 7. Christ Jesus made himself nothing. And what it means by this is he did. Jesus Christ, the only son of God, who had all the powers he could have in this world, he came to earth and he sacrificed himself. He became a servant. He became less than everybody else. He was so humble and obedient to his purpose to God. Um, he chose to make himself nothing, to represent what God was all about, to show us. And that's such a beautiful thing to know that somebody so great was so powerful and confident in who they were and their love of God that they were able to do this and it didn't uproot them. From, he never was uprooted from God's love. He loved him faithfully and obediently, even knowing he was going to die. How beautiful is that to faithfully stick to, I know I'm going to be crucified. I know I'm going to be nailed to the cross. But you know what? My death will serve a greater purpose than me living, and I'm ready. So it's called Truly Humble, Truly Great. As the American Revolution concluded with England's improb improbable surrender, many politicians and military leaders maneuvered to make General George Washington a new monarch. The world watched, wondering if Washington would stick to his ideals of freedom and liberty when absolute power was within his grasp. England's King George III saw another reality, however. He was convinced that if Washington resisted the power pull and returned to his Virginia farm, he would be the greatest man in the world. The king knew that the greatness, the greatness evidenced in resisting the allure to power is a sign of true nobility and significance. And this is so true because if you can resist uh, doing something to gain power, you're resisting the self, the ego, the self-fed, the self-flesh desire. And that is Satan residing in those desires. So when you resist that, the other part of you, of your vessel, the godly part comes out to be that servant, to be obedient and go, you know what? I know what's best in the long run and doing it for the power is wrong. So what a beautiful, what a beautiful thing to recognize. Paul knew this same truth and encouraged us to follow Christ's humble way. Even though Jesus was in the very nature of God, he did not consider equally with God something to be used to his advantage. He never used his powers for his own good ever. Not once in the Bible does it ever say that God, Jesus used God's powers to make himself look good. He was always the servant, always obedient, always loving. Instead, he surrendered his power and became a servant and humbled himself to becoming obedient to death. The one who held all the power surrendered every bit of it for the sake of love. 
And yet, in the ultimate reversal, God exalted Christ from the criminal's cross to the highest place. Jesus could demand our praise or force us to be obedient, laid down his power in a breathtaking act that won our worship and devotion. Though absolute humility, Jesus demonstrated true greatness, turning the world upside down. How does the depth of Jesus' humility surprise you? How does his humility force you to reconsider your definition of greatness? Thank you, Jesus, that you are the most destitute and seemingly that in your most destitute and seemingly disgraceful moment, you demonstrated your true power and greatness. Amen. This is absolutely beautiful. And I love that it said for the sake of love because love is... You know, in First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, at the very end, the love chapter, it says, abide in these three things, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. God's love is the greatest tool you could ever use to defeat anything. Um, Martin Luther King even said it. Hate just fuels hate, but love is the only thing that is going to dissipate and conquer over the hate. Because when you love another person and they recognize that, they soften and they go, they do care and they understand. And they don't wanna return hate. They just wanna go, finally, somebody just loves me and understands me for me. And that's why love is so effective. To love another person is allowing them to bring down their defensive walls, to bring down their walls of wanting to attack and be in self-mode, self-mode, and to be in, what would you call it, survival. A lot of people who are angry and hateful and resentful, they are coming from a survival mindset. That's how they were raised. And so they instantly want to defense with attack. Like, I'm in defense defense mode. I'm in survival mode. I'm going to do whatever it says to, to protect me. But when somebody goes and loves them and like unconditional love, not love them trying to get something from them. Because when you try to love somebody and you're trying to get something from them, that other person, there's something that triggers that other person that this isn't correct. There's something attached to this love. But when you love like Jesus did, unconditionally, just like you are a good person and I understand you believe in what you believe. I've done this with so many people. Like I understand that not everybody believes in God the way I do. Not everybody believes in the Bible. And that's okay because they are still valuable the way they are. It doesn't diminish them in any way. And to love another person like that allows them to bring down that self-defense wall to bring down those walls of survival and go, okay, I can be safe around this person and they're not going to treat me like I'm less than. And that is why love is so powerful. You know, when we had a discussion in church uh, and it was over Matthew chapter five, verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. How beautiful is this to be able to do this? And Jesus represented this. And why do we love another person? Why? Because God is the one who judges us. And I'm going to take myself for example. All the things I did in my life 
probably deserved karma, people would say. She's getting what she deserves. God is going to get her. God is going to punish you. Like God rightfully had every right to punish me. But at the end, when I was reflecting to God, everything I had allowed to happen, everything I had done to my body that he gave me, every toxin I put in there, every person that I allowed to touch me that wasn't within holy matrimony, um, everything I did that was against God, I had to own that. And in owning that, I unveiled who I became in this world. I became a vessel for Satan. And it was in that I realized that is where we leave punishment to God. Because God does not punish. God allows us to make choices. And I wrote it down. It was better written down. It was so beautiful what he showed me this day in church. So... Wrath and vengeance is God, and he commands it. Why? Because God doesn't inflict vengeance. He inflicts love and allows the wicked to destroy the wicked. Okay? God allows our choices to destroy us, self-destruct us, till we call on him to redeem us. Because, see, we have free will. So God says, fine, go make your choices, Christine. Go live the world. Go live the life you choose to live. When you are sick and tired of being sick and tired of your choices and you realize you're self-destructive, you will call on me to help you get out of it. And I did. And what I met with was love. God's unconditional love. God doesn't give vengeance. God doesn't give wrath. Doesn't, doesn't hate. He doesn't punish. He never punished me for my choices he said you have to forgive others so you can forgive yourself that's what he taught me because I started realizing I had to forgive those in my past I had to forgive people in my present I had to forgive people for the right now and in forgiving them I realized it was okay to forgive myself and in forgiving myself I realized that's how God used his love to show me the right way he didn't punish me. He didn't seek vengeance. He didn't inflict pain. He just loved me through it. He held my hand through all of it and said that I deserve to be loved. I just have to go through this. I have to face these things and I have to bear the pain of all my choices, of allowing people to mistreat me, of allowing you know people to just run all over me and allowing that to happen and in it, you know, making poor choices for myself. I allowed those things to happen and I became an ugly person out of it. So God doesn't seek, you know, to punish us. And that's why it is said that we leave judgment to God. Us humans in our understanding cannot judge another person because we judge them from our brokenness and we don't understand forgiveness and love because God does it in a way that's loving and merciful. Just the way Jesus walked this earth is the exact nature of God. Loving. He has forgiveness, he's humble, and he's just. That is God. God is not this vengeance person sitting up on a cloud. You know, when it talks about George Washington had a choice, he could either do something to glorify himself and be powerful, or he could take a step back 
and do the just thing. And there was another thing that popped up is the Pharisees in the Bible. Um, Jesus did not like them because they took the word of God and they used it for their glory. And they used it to gain power so that people would follow them instead of following God. And that was the difference in what the choice George Washington had. George Washington could have got done something and everybody would have followed him and he would have been this great, great person in the human eyes. But in God, God would have been like, you did it all for yourself. And one day you're gonna to have to come back and face me. Because at the end of it all, one day we do all have to face God, whether it's in this life or the next life. We all have a choice and we all will have to face our choices. And, and that's why we cannot judge one another. And by judging another person, if I was to say, my stepfather, how could he do these things to me? And if I would keep judging him, keep judging him, keep judging him, and keep throwing hate at him, he would never have an opportunity to take those things to God. I would be a hindrance. I would put roadblocks in his way. And he deserves salvation too. We all deserve salvation. We all deserve forgiveness. The hardest part is forgiving ourselves. Oh, to have walked the world when Jesus walked the world. Oh, if I had one person I could sit on a bench with, it would be Jesus. I don't know, Jesus or God, the, the, it's a toss up. Like I would just, just wanna talk to him for hours and hours. It's so beautiful, you guys, to start forgiving. Forgiving's hard. When you always carry a little bit of hate in that dark seed in your heart, it will fester and it'll eventually come out in the most toxic way against the person that doesn't even deserve it. So we have to seek to forgive another person in the understanding that people don't know they are hurting you until you tell them. You have to communicate with them. There's so many people I never communicated that the way they treated me hurt me. I never did. I never knew how. And now that I look back, I realize I hurt myself. I caused my own suffering by not standing up and communicating the things that bothered me. And I would stuff them down and I would stuff them down until I just lost it and I went crazy. And I didn't even know how to handle my emotions at the time. So we have to learn to forgive, but we also have to communicate these emotions so that the other person has the opportunity to grow from their behavior and telling them that the way they treat you makes makes you feel gives them an opportunity to change and grow closer to God and learning how to communicate is difficult I asked God to teach me and by learning to communicate honestly with him I've learned how to commute communicate honestly with others and it's been a great great tool that I have learned from God. So I love you guys. I hope this inspires you. Um, I hope that it's beautiful, whether it's raining where you're at or not. And I hope that this week is beautiful for you. It's a fresh start. Um, hopefully something amazing happens to you. I love you guys. God bless and amen.